When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. A ticket to an event can be way more than your way of getting in the door. So the Big East relationship started last year. Uh, it started with March Madness, where during their men's tournament at Madison Square Garden, and their women's basketball tournament at Mohegan Sun, we gave out free NFTs off of the Jumbotron. That's Josh Katz, CEO of Yellow Heart, who's helping sports teams and entertainers turn their tickets into a passport of experiences. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Old men like me pine for the days of just being able to put something in my hand and not have everything on my phone And you'll hear me ask my old man question of Josh Katz about printing out and saving a paper ticket as a record of attending an event. But I, like the rest of the staff on this show, we get it. And truly, it is amazing what a ticket can now be. Our guest this week is Josh Katz. He's the CEO and the founder of Yellowheart, which is NFT live event ticketing and blockchain collectible platform. We're going to talk specifically about a partnership they have with the Big East that is really modern and interesting. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, Why don't you give me a little bit of the background of Yellowheart first before we get into the specific partnerships? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Yellowheart um, was started in 2017 to really evolve and, you know, take live event ticketing and make it, you know, modern and really modernize it. Um, and we do that through turning the ticket into fan engagement and allowing it for, to be, for it to be something that continues to engage with the fan, doesn't just die upon entry. Since then, the company's really evolved where we're sitting on three products today. We have a full uh, Web3 NFT-enabled ticketing product, we have um, what we're calling a community um, membership program where if you're a fan, you can join a community, which is what we've done with the Big East, and be part of getting special access perks and rewards. And then we also have a very robust uh, digital collectible business. When you say turn ticketing into fan engagement, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is when you look at the current state of live event ticketing, there are barcodes that act as receipts and proof of entry, and that's it. So you enter in a door, you get your barcode scanned, and that's it. And the team, the artists, they have engaged with you. So with our platform, essentially, it's what we call a smart ticket, and a smart ticket allows for continued engagement. So if you're a fan of a team or an artist, uh, you could continue to get perks, benefits, rewards, upgrades, other things through your ticket that just really has never existed before. So you're, you're rewarding people for attending essentially is, is the way you're behavior. going. You know, if yeah. you're going to your fifth game of the season, don't you think the team should know and maybe do right by you? Or if you're on your fifth, you know, or 
you know, show on a tour, maybe that artist should recognize that you're a super fan and you should be rewarded for that behavior. Oh, I think you should. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Do they? I don't know. But yes, I agree with you. Well, that's the mission of what we're doing. And the reality is the teams and the artists want the engagement with the fans. They just don't have a method to do it today. This is, you know, the current ticketing products are completely antiquated. Um, you started this five years ago, so you were kind of ahead of what is happening right now. What did you see in the marketplace then? And, and did you have any friction when you were going to teams or artists or leagues or whatever saying, we, we want to do this with your ticketing? Oh, yeah. Um, pre-pandemic, zero understanding of what we were doing, zero caring. During the pandemic, particularly in uh, you know last year in 21, you know, NFT and Web3 emerged and, you know, became something that people were looking towards as the future and actually believed in it. So being a leader in the space around live events, suddenly there's been less friction. Now what we've dealt with over the last year is just a level of people understanding it, which is now coming, you know, rising to the top finally, where teams and artists understand the, what the power of this technology could do for them and their fan base and essentially monetization. So now we're getting a lot less. But initially there was tons of resistance, tons of pushback, lack of understanding, but that that seems to be parting right now. Yeah. Um, okay, so take me through the pandemic a little bit too. Things were shut down. Um, there has been, I don't know, in my life, there's been probably for a lot of other people, especially in music, almost a flood of events that have occurred, almost like everybody's gotten back on the road again, now that the venues have been reopened. A lot of concerts that I had tickets to that were canceled during the pandemic have now reopened and they've come back and I've been attending those. Was this a reset for the industry from your perspective too, to have an opportunity to kind of talk about what this looks like on the other side when we get back to live events again? So, you know, live events shut down um, and it was a sector that has has been pretty fast moving with people just really in the in the sector that want to enjoy their jobs. They want to enjoy the music. They want to enjoy the sports. And they never really looked at making changes. It was something that if it wasn't broken, don't fix it. And paper tickets and barcode tickets were a thing. Um they work fine. They get people in the door. Ticketing is boring. No one cares about it, you know, so just leave it alone. Pandemic, people got to actually sit back and think and actually look at technology for the first time, especially in this sector where no one had any work for 18 months. And they sat back and they said, okay, wait a second. Maybe there is a better way. Maybe this does make sense. And, you know, our earliest support of the company came actually from Live Nation and Ticketmaster believe it or not, uh, the really, you know, the only person that believed in what we were doing and actually saw the vision was Jared Smith, who at the time was the CEO of Ticketmaster. A lot of other people in that building didn't get it and dismissed it early on, but pre-pandemic, he understood it and he supported it, uh, both with his knowledge base and by getting them to be our earliest funding partners. So there was a level of knowledge and expertise on the top around the fact that this was the future. It was just everyone else that at that time really just didn't care. But the pandemic allowed for, you know, a bit of a reset where people actually opened their minds up and took a look at this. I mean, you're, you're actually, you're in an interesting spot too, because you need buy-in from everybody, right? You need the ticket masters of the world. You need the team, you need the artists, you need everybody to want to buy into what you're trying to build here. 
We do. Uh, and, you know, once again, the industry dismiss- was very dismissive pre-COVID. Um, but now things have changed where if you look at all of the biggest players, they're all rushing into the space right now. A lot of them have a lot of education to um, really get up to speed on, but they all have realized that this is a major pot of money for them if they do it right. So they're rushing towards it, which is great to see that our earliest instincts that this would be the future have now been proven correct. And now we're watching as all these big companies rush towards this and move in this direction. Uh, let's talk about the specific relationship that and partnership you have with the Big East. What are you doing with that conference? So the Big East relationship started last year. Uh, it started with March Madness, where during their men's tournament at Madison Square Garden and their women's basketball tournament at Mohegan Sun, we gave out free NFTs off of the Jumbotrons, where people could basically point huh. the QR code from that download our app in the app would already be the nft so frictionless download of what we're calling a big east community membership you join the membership and initially anyone that joined through that tournament was given digital collectible nfts as rewards for joining those came in the form of the winning trophies for villanova uh, and a few other nfts now we basically issued out a super ticket that allowed people to get access to media day today, actually, uh, which has never ever before had fans enter the building. This is a Madison square garden in New York. So fans were able to buy tickets to media day for the first time ever uh, through, you know, yellow heart. Anyone that had the pre-existing NFTs from March madness, you know, earlier this year, they had earlier access to buy these. They had the first dibs for the first hour. So, um, you know, very cool thing that the Big East did. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. Okay, so let me ask you a couple broad questions about NFTs since you're you're in all of this. Um, when you were initially building this stuff, it sounds like you, and you still are doing, some collectibles are, are part of this whole thing. How did you kind of see the valuation of NFT collectibles initially, where it is now, and where you think that is going from here? The initial gold rush happened around what we call profile pictures where people suddenly realize that there's something called a digital good. Now, anybody who's a gamer has understood this for many years, where you go into games, whether it's, you know, yesterday's games or today's games like Fortnite and Roblox and League of Legends and other things, where you're buying digital goods. The issue has always been that you buy those digital goods and then not only could you not resell them, but you can't even trade them. So if I had bought, you know, for example, a skin and I didn't use it anymore and then you said, oh man, Josh, you have that skin. Can I get that from you? Not only can I not even sell it to you, I can't even give it to you. 
So that is a pretty big roadblock. And that's where it really begins around putting a value onto a digital good. So that started really with this gold rush around profile pictures, people launching these collections. You know, Board Ape was the shining example, the most successful one. And that kind of came and went. But what it did is it established value on digital goods for the first time, where now the whole gaming community and, you know, beyond realizes that you could put a scarcity level that's provable and a value on something that's digital. So that was the initial gold rush. Today, now that has evolved and it exists, but the thing is, is what does that digital good do for you? Does that digital good show that you own something? that accrues in value? Does that digital good pay you a dividend? Does that digital good give you access to a concert like with Yellowheart? What does it do for you? And that's where it's headed today. Um, we, you know, within the you know, Web3 universe, we call it utility. So yeah. initially you had a digital collectible with no utility, literally a picture or you know, a video. Now it's that, but what does it do for you? Does it pay you? Does it give you access? Does it, you know, a membership card? What does it actually do for you? And tomorrow we're going to see the evolution of that where we're going to see essentially most goods and a lot of services move to a digital format. So what will happen is just on the most basic level, your membership card to your gym, your credit card, your bank card, these will all move to be digital. They already are. I mean, you're, we're already using Apple Pay. We're already using Apple Wallet for tickets and memberships and other things like that. It's all going to just move that way, but those are going to be NFTs because they'll have provable scarcity and provable ownership So, uh, as a digital good. So that's really where it's going to move, where you'll see your lease, your deed, your contracts, your memberships, your, you know, bank cards, your, you know, tickets, clearly all of these things moving this direction as into NFTs. Okay. So at the point where we are now, um, and maybe this is different for every group you work with, but I do wonder what do fans want in terms of utility? Do they want merchandise? Do they want food? Do they want a ride share? Do they want tickets to another event? Do they want, as you have pointed out, special events? What, what, what do they want? Well, you know, ask you, what do you want? <laughs> you know, that's all of how it. We can I have all of it? it? Yeah, can I have yeah, all of exactly. it? Yeah. You know, yeah, you want to walk in and be treated like a VIP and be able to go in a, you know, a fast pass line, which is something Yellowheart setting up with venues now for community holders that they get, you know, easy access to venues so you don't have to wait in line. Uh, you want, you know, perks, you want upgrades, you want to be recognized as a fan and treated well. You know, traditionally, the live event industry has treated fans like cattle, literally like cattle, you know, uh, herding them in through gates and, you know, wire fences. And people don't want to be treated that way. You know, you're a fan of a team. You're a season ticket holder. You're out at a NFL game tailgating. You want easy access. You want to be treated well. You want to be, you know, part of a community. And that's what this is really headed towards. Um, you have used the word membership a couple of times. I've heard others in this industry, especially in sports, talk about memberships now, where this is the maturation of what used to be the season ticket holder and may or may not be 
but the membership can include a lot of different things. Is that kind of how you're, you're viewing this? It, it is. And you know, it, it, let's call the membership and the season ticket holder, two different things uh, where membership might be where you're a member of your local venue. And because you're a member, you get early access to tickets. You could go to a certain, you know, viewing area that's better. Maybe you're getting easier access um, and you're a local. So maybe you're going out to that venue once or twice a week. Uh, you're getting invited to special events. Then you have season ticket holders that really pertain to sports. And that's just essentially buying both tickets to every game. So now that you've bought those tickets, okay, maybe it comes with a membership, but you also get access into, you know, a lounge or you're getting into, you know, free, you know, food or beverage, like a lot of people get around high-level season tickets. So it's really two different things where as a member, you're getting perks and rewards and benefits for being a fan. As a season ticket holder, you might be getting those, plus you also have the ticket. Okay, last thing. Um, Here's my old man question. I like holding the ticket. Can I get a printed ticket out ever again? Is that a possible? Yes, that's what I want. Can I get that, please? Why do you want this? I can't understand why you want you this. You know what? It's a, a, it's a, no pictures uh, on it. Okay, so I do want a more modern ticket for sure. I agree with you. But there's something about tangibly holding something that feels like a collectible to me. Um, and to, it's like a tangible, I was there, and I can show this as a, as a, as a mark of my sporting history and my fandom. I don't know. I just want it. I understand. You know, I mean, so you'll have this. And the difference is, is as a tangible piece of paper, the end of the day, it's digital. I mean, think about how we all interact today. I mean, everything's sitting in the cloud. It's sitting on your computer, on your phone, in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, you don't have paper file cabinets sitting behind you now with all of your documents just sitting on a hard drive. And we're moving towards a digital age. For, you know, the generation that still wants paper, then listen, you know, paper could be there. It's, it's funny you say that because I had a discussion recently with someone at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles who told me that there's one suite out of all the season ticket holders that still demands paper <laughs> tickets, but there's one left. And I actually I know it. the suite owner, and they actually asked me if I would go talk to him on behalf of them <laughs> to try to get him off the paper. So when I spoke to him, he informed me that since he's a child, he has those old books, what are they, the ones that you put pictures in um, that are filled up with all of his ticket subs. It's a ritual for him on every Sunday. It is for me too. It is. Listen, I get it. I have envelopes and envelopes of concert tickets from when I went to from the earliest days. Hundreds of Grateful Dead ticket subs, hundreds of fish ticket subs, you know. I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, if I have it on my phone as an NFT, I, it then might have value. There might be multiple tickets that I could then go put up on social. So all my friends could see, oh, wow, he went to the game. He was a VIP. Yeah. And it actually becomes social currency where this piece of paper just gets crumpled and stuck in your, you know, your envelope or whatever. Yeah. So I, um, I think the question would be like, why would somebody want a baseball card then and not a digital version of the baseball card? I don't know. There's yeah. something about literally it's having it, holding it putting it in your hands. I, yeah. I fully agree with you. And I think what it is, is it's a generational thing yeah. where I think that, you know, the younger generation who is used to everything being on their device, 
the same way, you know, if I look at my grandparents, like they want a lot of, my grandfather wants a lot of cash in his pocket, you know, that's money to him, you know, and that's what he knows. And he knows going out for dinner and whipping out a hundred dollar bill and to him, that's, you know, how you pay for things. Whereas my parents have plastic in their pocket and then me, I have a phone in my pocket with Apple <laughs> Pay. So it's just, a generational thing. Yep, I hear you. All right, uh, Josh Katz, CEO, founder of Yellow Heart. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was fun. On the next Future Sport Podcast, back to the betting landscape where European norms are being implemented in the U.S. Companies such as Stats Perform and uh, the Perform Group back then in Sport Radar realized that you could carve a, a sport right out um, and stream that directly onto bookmakers' websites and carve that out from broadcast rights. That's Chris Catling, head of Infront Better and a former international athlete who is surveying opportunity in the nascent U.S. betting landscape. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.